First uh, Corinthians chapter number eleven, and we're going to start down verse number twenty-three in a moment. Uh, we're going to do something a little different this evening. I'm I'm going to preach about the Lord's table, Lord's supper, and then we're going to partake together of the Lord's supper. So you know, usually when uh, we have the Lord's supper, I explain the verses when we're at the table. Now I'm doing it in the pulpit, so it'll be a little bit different when we do pass up the elements, but we still do the same thing. We pray and things. I just won't give another explanation after I just preached it. So just so you know, it'll be a little bit different. Uh, but the idea is that we just uh, look and examine the Scriptures about the Lord's table the, or, or as uh, uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, uh, things, different names that we have for it. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye should not come, uh, and that ye not come not together unto condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another opportunity to be together. Lord, this evening is an opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper. And Lord, as we look in your scripture and be encouraged by it, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to your word. And Lord, I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So, uh, I am, uh, I'm a Baptist. And I don't ever plan to change that. Alright? Uh, that's, that's, uh, I believe that. I believe the Baptist distinctives. I see it because it's in the Bible. Amen? That's why I believe it. And uh, there are two ordinances that, uh, as Baptists, we recognize. Okay, uh, Baptists do not believe in sacraments. Okay, there is a difference between the word sacrament and ordinance. All right, uh, words are important, right? Words are important, so we need to know what the words mean. So the idea of a sacrament means a ritual, so of, of regarding, so you you get. Divine grace from it. So, and it's, and for some, it's a, it keeps me saved. That's the idea of a sacrament. It's a divine that way. That's the way they think. So that's not biblical, is it? There's no action that keeps you saved. There's not. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we are saved. Amen? And then we're eternally saved. We're in Christ. Uh, so we do not believe in a sacrament. What we do believe is an ordinance. That means something prescribed. It's something that the Lord has given us to do. And another part of it is a law. So, yeah, there's something prescribed to us. Uh, as Baptists, we recognize two ordinances from the Word of God. The first is the ordinance of baptism by immersion. 
That's the first one. And the other is the Lord's Supper, communion, Lord's table. You know there's a couple of different words out there for it. Uh, so baptism is a symbolic act that portrays what Christ has done for us as a believer in salvation. Picture a person dying out of the old life of sin and you know, rise again into new life with the Lord. It's an outward symbol of an inward work that the Lord has done. Now, and the reality is, uh, we are so far removed from this, but at one time, if you got baptized biblically, you know, you got persecuted. Uh, you would die. I mean, they would call you re-baptizers, and they re- they baptize you to death. You know, so the idea is that this is uh, very important to Baptists. Is a distinctive, and that's because we're just Baptists, but because of what we see in God's Word. All right, and that's it. Should always go back to God's Word, folks. It goes back. Uh, so that's what we see. That's the first ordinance, and then the second one, the Lord's Supper, is uh, a symbolic act that calls to mind the death, resurrection, and promised return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we take the bread and the cup, we're remembering the day when Jesus Christ died for our sins. You know, on the cross, he was buried, he rose again. And it's a symbol of the eternal work God did through his son, Jesus Christ. This evening, we are going to partake of this that's been going on since the apostles, the disciples. I mean, over 2,000 years. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That continuance of this important uh, event, this ordinance from the Lord to us. And we'll remember Jesus, what he did and why he did it and what it means to us. And since, uh, you know, we just need to take some time and think and pause and remember what the Lord has done. This do in remembrance of me. Uh, that's what the Word of God tells us. It's a time of commemoration. So uh, to commemorate means to honor the memory of somebody or something in a ceremony to serve as a memorial to something. So we have seen this in, in our world, uh, maybe commemorating an event, uh, a, a new law being signed or a battle or a victory. We know of those things. So the Lord's Supper is definitely a memorial for us. It was a victory, amen? The Lord doing what He did for us is a victory. It's a time to remember Jesus and what He did for us. So we commemorate some things. We remember some things. Uh, in verses 24 and 25 here of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we see you know the body that was broken uh, for you, and then this cup, the New Testament, my blood. So we see the broken body and the blood of Jesus. Both of those uh, verses vividly, uh, vividly describe to us suffering and pain, do they not? Broken and blood being uh, shed for us. That, that's pain, that's suffering. And when we take the elements of the Lord's Supper, we're to remember that Jesus suffered horribly for us. It wasn't a passing glance or blow. It was, it was horrific. And He did that so our sins could be washed away. Jesus suffered at the hands of men. Isaiah 52.14 says, As many were astounded by thee, his vigils was so marred, more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. He was uh, beaten. I, I know uh, back at Easter there, I preached a message about how the Lord was uh, crucified. Before that, how He was scourged and how He was amused and misused by men. So He was physically changed by the abuse and and the suffering. And you know, the God the Father turned His back on His Son because He took that place of sin for us Matthew 27.46 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Listen, folks, that's suffering for Jesus. That's Jesus suffered for us. The cross was one of shame, and He did all that, and He suffered for us. So we, we, we memorialize or we commemorate His suffering, we commemorate His sacrifices. The fact that Jesus Christ was in human body speaks to the sacrifice He made to redeem us. You know, it's hard for us in our finite, you know, we're not infinite, we have finite minds to comprehend what a step down that was. The Son of God took on human flesh. That, that was a significant step downward that He did for us. He became man. He lived and He died in this world to redeem the lost. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1, and then John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, in Matthew chapter 27, we're not going to turn there, but I would encourage you to read this portion of Scripture, Matthew 27, verses 39 to 44. He suffered shame for me and for you. He suffered shame. None of us like to be shamed. We run away from it. I mean, as children, we cry when someone shames us. But He took that shame willingly. He suffered it willingly. He suffered rejection. John 1.11 says, And He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. You know, I can think as an individual, if I went to my family or went to where I'm from and everybody I know, and I went there and they rejected me, how horribly that would feel for me. His own received him not. He was totally rejected. Jesus was suffered rejection. He suffered poverty. Second Corinthians eight nine. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was yet yet rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now, again, we can't understand how great heaven is and how great a place, the position that the Lord had before He stepped down to here. He did that for me and for you. He suffered poverty. He suffered pain. First Peter 2.21 For even hereunto are ye called. Jesus Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. He suffered pain. He suffered pain for us. And in He suffered death. John 19.30 When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. In fact, the goal of giving Himself as our sacrifice was the whole purpose He came to this world in the first place. He just didn't come at Christmas to be a nice little baby. He came for a purpose. He had a purpose in mind. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When the Lord left heaven and He came to this earth, it was for the specific purpose to reach this lost world. John 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom. I'm reading lots of Bible verses because it's important for you to know. Uh, again, as I mentioned this morning in the message, I see so many Christians who don't know what to do or don't know how to act or don't know what they should do here. Listen, we get in God's Word, we find the answers. Okay? These are important verses for you to know so you can understand why we do what we do. Folks, uh, the Lord's Supper is just not a tradition. Alright? It's a special time. 
And I want you to understand it. I want you to own it. I want you to know what it's all about. It's not a sacrament. Toss that word out. That, that should not be the vocabulary of any individual believer because we don't believe in sacraments. All right? It's an ordinance. Let's take it. Let's understand it. Let's own it and see what the Lord has. So when the bread and the juice are passed around in just a little bit, stop and remember what Jesus did for you. Commemorate His suffering and His sacrifice for us. It's a time of celebration as well. Just as much as the Lord's Supper serves as a commemoration, it's also a celebration. The word celebrate means to mark a, a special occasion or day uh, by ceremonies or feasts. Uh, it comes from a Latin word means to attend a feast. And that's what we're here as well this evening. Or they're here to celebrate what Jesus did for us. We should come with a heart of thankfulness. Amen? That the Lord did this for us. We should be thankful. We should be have joy in our hearts every single day that the Lord saved us and understand who Jesus is and what He's done. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating His compassion for you. That's what it says in verse 24. Take eat this body which is broken for you. This, this word reminds us, these words remind us that what Jesus did and what He suffered, He did because He loves us. That's important to know. He did this because He loves us. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I have seen that uh, verse inscribed in headstones in military cemeteries in, in Europe in regard to men who died in the Second World War. And that's very moving. It's very powerful to read that. But to understand what Jesus did is even more powerful. That He did that for, for me and you. That's how much He loves you. That's, he wants to be your friend. He wants to be there for you. And He had no sin of His own to die for. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 For it made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He willingly took our sins upon Him, that we might be delivered uh, from our sins and the penalties because of those errors and those and that wickedness. That's how much He loves us. Uh, you know, when someone comes along and maybe we have a, a, a debt to pay, a physical debt, and someone comes along and says, hey, I'll pay that for you. Aren't we excited when that happens? Oh yeah, we, we do whatever we can to honor that individual who did that. We're like, thank you. you. You did not have to do that for me. I appreciate that so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we celebrate with them. We're humbled. We're thankful that they care about us that much. Listen, what Jesus Christ did for us, He paid our sin death. There is no greater debt than that. And He paid it. In full. Not installment plans if we're good. He, planned, he paid it all one time. And we need to thank the Lord for that. And we need to rejoice because of His compassions. His compassions to us. We celebrate His conquests. What's not mentioned in these verses is the clear fact that when Jesus arose from the dead, He defeated death. And, and no one else could do it but through God-man, through Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty. He guaranteed eternal life through rising from the, uh, from the dead. John 11, 25 and 26. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The reality is, He did it for us. He, he defeated the enemy. He, he defeated them. He, none of these uh, enemies are going to come back and defeat the Lord. He took care of it once and for all. Now, unfortunately, the enemy's still around. He's trying to still stumble Christians and things, but He'll never defeat Jesus Christ. He'll never defeat our God. 
Because he lives, all those who believe in him will live also. I am he that liveth and was dead. Now behold, I'm alive forevermore. First Corinthians 5.20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Christ is alive today. He arose. Our Savior is not in the tomb. He's interceding for us in the right hand of the Father. Amen? That should encourage us. That's something we need to celebrate. That's something we need to understand. So not only do we we, we celebrate uh, His conquest, but we celebrate He's coming again. He's coming again. And we're clearly told that when we observe the Lord's table, we're telling this world that we believe that Jesus is coming again. He's coming back. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. He can come right now. Hey, I mean, let's face it. This old world is getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, and we see, we believe we're in the last days. I absolutely agree with that statement. I, I'm ready. Let, like, Lord, let's do it. I'm, I'm all for it. I, don't, I really don't want to taste death, to be honest with you. I, I'd love to be taken home in the rapture. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Lord, let it be. And, uh, and He promises, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have, I would have told you, I'll go to prepare a place for you. So He's preparing a place for us. He's, He's working on it. Isn't that great? The Master Carpenter is building us a mansion. That's a wonderful thought. That's something else to rejoice about. Uh, the promise is reaffirmed in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. It's reaffirmed by Jesus Himself with the closing words of the Bible in Revelation 22, 20. He said, He that testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm looking forward to it. I, I really hope I get to hear the trumpet. Amen. And the Lord calls us home. He's coming. And that's a truth we can celebrate and we can rejoice about as we come to the table this evening. It's a time of commemoration. It's a time of celebration. But it's also a time to contemplate. Contemplation. That word means to think about something seriously at length. You know, uh, I can think of time just recently... Uh, when Pastor Thiessen told me that he was going to be moving on and he asked me about coming here to be the pastor or be the pastor, I contemplated. He wasn't like, yeah, let's do it. As soon as he said it, I'm like, I need to pray about that. I need to think about that. I need to get some wisdom. I need to, I need to get some advice about, and this here for us is, this is serious. Don't we celebrate and don't we, we're, we're, uh, as a memorial, uh, we need to, this needs to be serious. When I think of what Jesus suffered for me, you know, I want to worship Him, absolutely. I want to celebrate what He's done and, and shout His praises, but at the same time, it's serious. It's absolutely serious. It's a time to reflect upon the condition of our lives. And verses 27 to 32, I already read those for us. Uh, they, these are verses that really help us to snap out of maybe wrong thinking. Our lives are not what it should be. It's a time of seriousness and reflect upon the where our lives are and what we need to be doing before we participate in the Lord's uh, Supper and the Lord's Table. We must contemplate our salvation in spite of all of our sins and failures. Paul's writing to save people in this chapter. When Paul says that we use the word us and we in this portion of Scripture, he is absolutely referring to himself and fellow believers. The communion table is not for the lost. Okay? If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do not partake. This is not for you. 
No, our church practices what's called close communion. So in other words, everyone that's here is invited to participate. But you need to understand that you need to be warned of the consequences of participating in the Lord's Supper. And if you participate in an unworthy manner, that's not good. That's very, very serious. You need to stop and practice some self-examination. I am not your judge. You need to come before the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, how's my heart? How's my life? And make sure things are right. And and so we, we invite those who know Jesus Christ as Savior and believe similarly to us, to what Legacy Baptist Church believes, to partake together with us in the Lord's Supper. And again, if, if you're lost, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, just let it pass by. There's no one here uh, with a video camera seeing who's taking, who's not. There's none of that foolishness. It's just, it's, it's between you and the Lord. It's an ordinance that the church takes care of, but it's between you and the Lord about taking the elements and being involved. So if that's the case, if you're not saved, just let it go on by. But let me encourage you, accept Christ as Savior. It changes your life. And we need to be uh, watching out. So contemplate our salvation. And then we, we need to analyze and sit back and, and think at length about where we are in our life. Uh, so the idea of sanctification, uh, uh, in, in this verse 27, it talks about unworthily. We're told that if we take this bread and this cup unworthily, we bring God's wrath upon our lives. In, and reverencing, and we're not reverencing the Lord at all. Uh, the phrase is not discerning the Lord's body is the idea that we're treating Jesus in a, like a, the mocking, jeering crowd uh, that at the crucifixion. But we're not discerning. We're, we, we're doing our own thing. Or we're making light of it. We're mocking it. This idea here is that we need to be treating this very seriously. It's, it's, it's not nothing. It's not, oh, we do this once a quarter or once a month. I know some churches that do it once a year. The reality is this is this is time to examine. Sit back. And the Lord tells us to examine our hearts. Uh, verse 28, let a man examine himself. So stop and look. We need to make sure that we're what we need to be, that we got things taken care of before we come to the table. Uh, the, the, it's, it's very evident uh, how the Lord views this. In verse uh, 30, for this cause many are weak and sick, sickly among you, and many sleep. So what, what's the the result? If people partake and they haven't, they're not right with the Lord, some are sick because of it. Some are dead. That's the idea of sleep. Some are dead. And others, uh, in verse 32, but when you're judged, you're all chastened of the Lord. So all will be chastened because of it if you're not taking it in a worthy manner. So the idea is, what do we do? So the idea is we, we need to confess, get things right with the Lord if there's a problem. If there's a problem between me and the brother, between me and the Lord, we need to confess it and get it right with the Lord. First uh, John 1, 9. This is a great verse. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we do that, when we come to Him and ask for forgiveness, He gives it immediately. But when we don't, when we don't ask for forgiveness and we continue down that path, well, we can expect the chastisement of the Lord, can't we? As individual believers, if we, you know, we, we need to get things right. And it's a serious thing. 
It's absolutely serious. And the Lord wants us to get those things right in our hearts and lives. Before we partake, before uh, we observe the supper. Now, it's important. Don't, don't pass it by. and Don't think it's insignificant. It is. So the Lord's table is a wonderful time to commemorate uh, what the Lord has done, a memorial as such. It's a time of celebration. We, we're excited about what the Lord has done. We celebrate the things He's done. And it's a time to be serious. Just say, Lord, help me. Now make sure uh, that I am what I need to be. and uh, I've got things taken care of. I'm, I'm not holding on to grudges. I'm not doing this. and you know I, I, I'm, I'm serving you. I need to be where I need to be. And follow Him. Now, in just a moment, we're going to uh, partake in the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to commemorate. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to contemplate all together His death, burial, resurrection, His return. Now, let's just make sure that we're right with Him. And I'm going to challenge you as we close this uh, portion and get into uh, the Lord's Supper to, to make sure they examine your heart. Now, as to see, this will be a little bit different because I'm not going to read these scriptures again to you. So it'll be a little bit less talking and more time for you to contemplate and to make sure things are right between you and the Lord. And make sure that you're on the right track. And hey, and don't partake if you don't know Christ as Savior. I would encourage you to make that decision, though. That's the greatest decision. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. We're remembering what He's done for us. And make sure that we're focused. Are we, are we putting the Lord where He needs to be? Is He at the, the center point of our lives? Hey, this uh, communion time is a great time to get refocused and look to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on the right page. I want to serve You. I want to do what's right. And we do this in remembrance of Him of how great a Lord and Savior He is. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.